Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On The Line. It's Tuesday, January 31st. And on today's show, we'll recap the week that was. We'll talk with Montford Academy's top boys sprinters. We'll get into Anna Kiefer's signing to the WWE. Uh, we'll go into the, the top sprinters of 2023. This is a very big debate of our own, who's the top sprinters of 2023. And then we will finish the show with Ocean Breeze invite and a little bit on the regular period opening for the NLI. Uh, that's going to be fun tomorrow. I'm Corey Mull here with Olivia Ekpenay and Ashley Titians. Uh, if you listen to our podcast regularly, please give us a follow on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, ladies, how are y'all doing? Olivia. I'm doing fabulous. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. A little chilly. Well, chilly there in Austin. <laughs> Texas is going through a cold spell right now in central Texas. So a lot of businesses and schools had off because it was cold, which is a bit unfamiliar for northern states. You know, you, you get through that kind of stuff. So, but, uh, you know, a, as I mentioned, big day to remember is tomorrow. Uh, the, the regular period opens for the, for the football athletes. And for, for us, we cover you know, a couple of guys who are incredible, Nicholas Harbour, Roderick Pleasant. They're going to be big days for those two. Olivia, just quickly, tomorrow you're going to be in D.C. and you're going to be doing some stuff with Nicholas, right? Yes, I'm super excited about that to finally hear where Nicholas Harbour is going to be committing to. So it's going to be an exciting week for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's not, you know, leave it any longer. We're going to get to our interview today and we're going to speak with three Amazing athletes from Montverde Academy in Florida. We have three of the top rising stars in America. That's Michael Larry, Zaire Narin, and Isam Asinga. You know, they are all in their own respects kind of doing some big things. Isam owns a nation-leading 60-meter dash. Uh, Larry's U.S. number two in the long jump, and Nurin is number two in the long jump, or in the 400 as well. All three have been exemplary over the last few weeks, and obviously a lot more to go in the season. So we want to thank you. We want to welcome these three guys on the show right now. How are y'all doing? Hey, you doing? Hey, we doing good. We doing great. Great. <laughs> great to be here. Uh, let's start first with this past weekend, the legend of Alachua County. Great name. But in the 60, all three of you guys ran fantastically. 
Isam, you ran six five nine, number two all time in the sixty. Uh, Micah, you went six six nine, and and Zaire, you went six eight zero. I gotta ask, did those performances meet your expectation? And Isam, let's start with you first. Um, see, I, I didn't really have any expectations going to that sixty. I mean, each week it kind of improve on the last week. You know, I'm not any like time goals really. I'm just trying to go out there and do my thing. So. There wasn't really a time to meet, but I knew I wanted to definitely, like, PR. I just didn't know about how much. So I just knew I had to be on my toes. I had to go out, and, yeah, you saw what happened. (laughs) Zaire, I'll go to you next. What were your feelings on that performance? Well, I just say the same. I don't really run in 60 months, so I didn't really have much expectations. Obviously, I just wanted to PR, so I met my expectations as far as PRing, so, yeah. Yeah. Micah, you went under six seven, which is huge. I mean, what are your thoughts? Um, as far as expectations go, I expect myself to be better than I was last year. Um, that's what I really hold myself up to. And for being this early, for being how many times that I've run the sixty this year, um, I think I'm in a great place. And you know, I kind of surprised myself really. It's very obvious you guys are having a tremendous successful season already. And it's just the end of January. And pretty soon we're going to be moving into nationals before we know it. Talk to me about how the team is at practice and how is the team dynamic and just like how it impacts you guys when you guys are performing throughout the year. And Zaire, I'll start with you. I say the team, we're all like really focused, but we also know how to have fun and joke as well. We know when to like cut it on it all, so we know when it's time to actually get focused, do what we're supposed to do at practice, but also take a break and also have a laugh sometimes. Micah, how about for you? Um, really, it's, it's just as he described. Actually, like we joke around a lot. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of competitiveness amongst me and them. Um, the people I train with don't aren't sprinters so um I wish I could train with them more so you know I could get to experience that competitiveness but with every group like sprints and then jumps and the hurdles it's all laughing but like when you step on the line it's still more laughing it's you gotta go because every we treat practice kind of more like special than me you know this is where you get honed um this is where you're carved and this is what differentiates the you know champions but not champions so we take practice really serious Mm-hmm. Isam, is there anything yeah. you would like to add? Yeah, like, I'll follow up with that, like, because uh, Micah, I mean, he usually trains with, like, the jumpers and um, the hurdlers, so we're usually on, like, different sides of the track, and, I mean, I, I would say with the sprinters, like, we have, really, have a really good dynamic, like, we, we joke around a lot, we have our coaches, you know, Coach Peary, of course, and Coach Keston Bledman, so he, they're both, like, very, they're characters, obviously, and they, they bring a lot of fun to us, and we, we all kind of bounce off each other's energy, and it's nice kind of having, like, um, we have our seniors, of course, on the team, but we also have, like, a lot of freshmen. And it's it's cool to, like, see us be able to, like, not have that be a block, but, like, kind of embrace it and just, you know, kind of just grow into like, a little bit of a family, you know. Like, we just go out there, we do our thing. And obviously, like, when we're on the line and it's time to go, like, block start day, like, we're focused up. And, I mean, you how can you complain when you have the best, some of the best sprinters in the nation in practice for your block starts, just like race day. So it's a really big advantage, and we are using it to the fullest. Now, it sounds like you guys obviously have a really cool team, family dynamics sort of thing. But like you said, Esam, like you have some of the best, you know, sprinters in the country, and especially, 
you know, I just have to ask, like, what is it about Montverde? You know, it's been historically a really great program, but I feel like, you know, in 2023, what we've already seen has been, you know, very unprecedented, particularly in the sprints and jumps. And so, you know, why do you think, or, you know, what do you think has been the key to making Montverde such a dominant program? And I'll start with Micah. Um, I really think the key is our coaches' um, love for development. Um, it's it's not a business to them. It's how can we get these kids to look good and do well. And they not only grow us into amazing athletes, but grow us into amazing people. Um, and I think that well-roundedness, along with great training partners, um, if I when I'm able to look over and see these guys moving fast, and I know I'm gonna have to race them, you know, this weekend, I'm like, I gotta get on my game. And then our coach's ability to take us and you know nurture our abilities and nurture our minds, and it's a well-roundedness of mental and physical. And I think like you know, Coach Arroyo, Coach Peary, Coach Dustin, Coach Michelle, Coach Kesson, they all do a great job of nurturing us very well, and you know, feeding are kind of we all kind of have special abilities and they feed it and they don't take away from it Isam, i know you're the newbie on the block anything else to add there from what you've seen since you've been at montverde why is it so dominant yeah i mean like from the get-go we we have team meetings like uh every wednesday and there's very specific things that we discuss you know like what it takes to be great um other things that come with being great you know you can be a world-class athlete but Coach wants us to be world-class people, you know. He said that many times, and he embraces that, and he, you know, he prioritizes that before anything. And I think it's just like, you know, our, our all, like all of our visions are kind of similar. You know, we want to be great at what we do, but we also need to, you know, grow on the character side too. So I, I really think that the character side and not just it being athletics, 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 athletics also helps us to, you know, just to excel so much. So it's definitely very particular. Like this was, this was like meant to be like this because coach is very particular about things he discusses and it's, it's been built. So yeah. So it's been really good. Awesome. Zaire, anything else you want to add there? Yeah. I'll also add like, it's also dumb. Like you're being, you're around so many talented people every single day of practice. It inspires you being around people like Kaya, Isam, Adeja, Michelle, all the freshmen, Micah, Kai. There's so many great people. I just can't name them all. It just inspires you to do, more every day now now Micah and Zyra this is your second year with Montverde and I want to ask you about maybe how you've built upon last year which is was great as well I mean how do you build upon a year that was very very successful right and you want to kind of you know extend that success or build upon it is there anything you've kind of leaned on or 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 tried to to work on improving this year to help build on that last year Micah, we'll go with you. Um, I that's actually a really great question. Um, uh, last year, I I think a lot of people um forget that, like I don't know about Zaire, but I know a lot of people like me. Like before I came to Montverde, I was like kind of nowhere, you know. Um, not saying I had bad coaches or anything, but coaches that really couldn't hone me, and I was kind of coaching myself. Um, most of the time and getting to Montverde was such a blessing and it, it opened it opened a lot of doors for my potential I think last year was like it was just the gateway and it wasn't the finish line um, this year it's like now you know what you can do 
let's see what you do with, you know, what you know. Um, and I think last year it doesn't scare me trying to, like, um, compare – like, I'm not comparing myself or trying to be as uh, – what do you say? Just, like, trying to compete with myself last year, you know. Um, it makes me excited to know I did that with only half a year of Montverde. Now what can I do with a full year with Coach Arroyo? Zaire? Yeah, the same thing. Like last year was just the beginning. So there's obviously more. We're all we're all younger. We get we got older. We got faster. So we're still growing as um, people and we're growing physically. So there's much more. I know for me, I started to focus on more discipline compared to last year. So now I go to sleep earlier. I eat healthier. It's the little things you really got to focus on at nighttime that helps you at the next day at practice. Isam, it has to be a little difficult to like step into a new environment from Missouri and acclimate to the people around you and the coaches and and the, the school itself. I mean, obviously you've you've kind of <laughs> you you've made it look flawless, but I mean, for you, how how was it acclimating at first, and how have you kind of dealt with moving into new surroundings? Yeah, and I mean, obviously it's a big difference. You know, I was in the Midwest, so now I'm down in the South, Florida, Orlando. The biggest thing was the heat. It gets hot in Missouri, but, like, it was a different type of heat out here when I first got here, that whole month of September, and the lightning and all the, the two hurricanes we had to go through in, like, the first, like, month of me being here. Like, it was it was a lot. It was a lot at first, but, you know, um, you know, when you're around, like, we're obviously great athletes, but they're also great people. It makes the transition so much easier. Like, my roommates, Micah and Kai, closest people to me right now. Like, literally, like, we do everything together. We're always, like, in a dorm together. We do activities together. We just go ride our scooters. We go up to, like, the track. We go, like, shoot videos and stuff like that. Like, it's fun. Like, when you have people like that, that makes the experience, you know? It makes the transition just so much easier than when you're trying to do it on your own, you know? I have the coaches to make me feel at home. Like, the priority, the priority on the team is making a home feel. And that home feel has definitely been emphasized. And that's a big part of why I'm able to transition so well. So, I, I'd have to give credit to them. And, you know, I just got to – I'm a person that moves around a lot. So I've moved from – I grew up in Atlanta, moved to Zambia, from Zambia to St. Louis, and then from St. Louis to here. So I've traveled a lot. So it wasn't a big jump for me. Like, I've been in boarding school before this. So it wasn't it wasn't anything too crazy. Nothing I really had to, like, fully relearn. It was just a little transition. So I'm glad it's worked out so well. I'm enjoying myself. I'm having a blast. And uh, you stay tuned. I'm excited to see what happens. Micah, this question is directed to you. I watched the 60-meter finals over the weekend. I must say, your celebration was just, like, out of this world. I thought you were about to hit another 60 meters or potentially run a, a 200 there. Why was this race so special for you? I know you said a personal best, but was it that? Or just kind of talk to me about the meaning behind your celebration this weekend. Um, The meaning, I, I'm pretty sure y'all have seen the 60-meter at um Virginia. Um, where I tripped, um, and it was very, it was very hard for me to get back on my feet. Um, I was doubting myself a lot. Um, in the sixty meter at the same facility, um, like this past weekend or that weekend before this one, um, I didn't do so well again, and it was, it was, it was like I gotta get this done. Like I'm the same, Micah. I'm faster. I'm stronger. I gotta get this done. It was very. It's very important to me to make sure um, I not only PR, 
but I PR by a great margin because I knew I could do it. And every time I didn't PR, every time I didn't PR by a great margin, it it was kind of like messing with me mentally. Um, and also there was factors um, like me, me and my guy right here. We had a, a lot of people talking mess about us um, on the internet and yeah. we love those guys. We love the competition and that, that just fed us, that just fed us all we needed to eat. And, we took that and ran with it. We, you know, it made us, it made us competitors and brought it back out. Cause a lot of times, like when you're on the top, like you get praise. Um, but a lot of times we don't, we don't want praise. When people would be like, we're coming for you, you know, we're coming, you, you're the same age, you know, you're not different. We're coming for you. And a lot of times that makes us turn on the gear and be like, okay, let's do it. Now I have to ask, you know, you guys, you know, obviously you're seniors. So this is your last indoor season. And we're, I mean, we're almost in February, guys. The nursing season's almost over. And, you know, what's kind of the plan? Like, what's the goal for Montford, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of indoor? You know, what do you guys hope to do personally? I mean, you know, you got, you know, Issam leading the 60. You got, you know, Micah with the long jump and, you know, in the sprints as well. And Zaire, you know, the 400, which is your premier event. You know, what are your goals individually? And also, could we potentially see like a, you know, a four by four, four by one, you know, four by two, something <laughs> like that? Um, I'll start with Zaire on this one. I'm definitely, I definitely want to um, lower my 400 time and get more 400s down to go. Cause I know like this has been a really short season. So I don't, I don't think I'll get that many more chances to run the 400. Yeah. So I want to take advantage of that and just try to lower my time as much as possible. Micah, how about you? Wait, what you say? Me? Sure, go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, I'm going to say one word. Domination. Domination. We're just, we're just, hey, we're just, hey, we're just trying to dominate. That's 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 our goal. Um, Our coaches know that. And I, I say that's a, that's the biggest thing that's fueling us right now is domination. We want to, we want to take over. And, you know, this is just, this is, this is nothing so far. Like, it's a lot, obviously, but like, we have so much more in the tank. We have so much more in the tank, so that's that's my main thing. As just as a collective, individually, I think we all just want domination and to take over. That's it. Micah, besides domination, what's the goal? Um, goal personally, um, I've said this a lot. I've, I've told multiple people this, but the only thing that is on my mind is to run sub ten and jump twenty seven. Um, but as a whole, um, our goal. Is that four by one record? I don't. I don't. I know people want. It. I know people know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, this is an if and like if and or but situation. That's ours, you know. Like Texas domination, relays. like um, <laughs> Texas relays. Like y'all tune in. It's it's ours, you know. Um, good handoff training. I personally don't think I'm going to be in the four by four, but four by four, I think they have a really good chance to getting that too. But that four by one, my eyes are set on that. And also my personal goals, also seeing this man and my other guy and my other teammates dominate their events and just boost the NBA name and, you know, boost our team as a whole into the limelight and let everybody know that we're coming. So that's 39-7 for outdoor. So that's the number you're looking for for four by one? Oh, faster than that. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I, okay. I, I really wanted to ask about the four by four. So you don't think you as a group plus maybe Kai or, or someone else would get a chance to run a four by four this indoor season? Oh. 
Oh, me personally, I, I don't think I would run the 4 by 4 Yeah. I think there is people on this team that could bust out a 400 better than me. Um, okay. I'm not that speed endurance type <laughs> of guy. Like, we have Kai, um, Kai, Javion, Esam, Zaire. There goes your four right there, Um, Coach Peary. Uh, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that I think that's going to be But if I have to if I have to hop on a 4 by 4 one day, let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, hey, it's coming. It's in the works. It's coming. It's in the works. It's in the works. So just, right. hey, we're not going to say much, but stay tuned. You might see us pop out. <laughs> that, that's all I was wondering. I, I really, I mean, you guys have focused on the individual events, which is, you know, you've been you've been working on improvement, right? Developing your specific disciplines. And, and at some point, then it becomes, let's go team. At that point. But yeah, uh, I mean, you guys have been amazing. I, so this is more of like a, a question about uh, place uh, and and region, but Monfer, I'm, I'm a hooper. Uh, I follow basketball. I mean, Montford's always been a place that has been a strong basketball school. I mean, it's got NBA alums fr- from the school, but I've never really seen this amount of talent uh, track wise out of school. And you know, you yourselves, obviously, you talked about all all the, all the girls. I mean, it's really a high class team right now. What's it feel like to sort of build a like the cultural niche uh, in this sport at the school that's known for maybe something else? And Zaire, um, so yeah, um, it's been it's very different because this school is obviously known for um, basketball, but we started to get more attention for like track, and like we just had a ring ceremony for um, the people the state champions champions from last year who got their rings. And it's definitely being noticed how like this school can it can do more than basketball, and how like this has never I don't think there's like ever been a team in America at least that's been as deep as our team. Yeah. So I think it just it's something new, it's something completely different. Micah, did you want to add to that? Um. Yeah. Um. I think being able to walk around and know you're a part of a great community. Um. That built for athletics. Um, it kind of gives you a drive that you wouldn't get at any other school. Like to be able to walk to class and see a seven footer, and you know he's no, like number three in the nation in basketball. Uh, it kind of like man, like I'm here because in track I'm like kind of like these guys, you know what I'm saying? So it gives you a different kind of drive and a different kind of like self validation to be amongst those guys. Um, and it's it's very interesting. Isam, did you want to add anything else? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're known for a basketball school, but like, hey, you never know; things can change. So we're on we're on an upward trend for sure, and we're just trying to like you know put the sport on the map. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's you. I I can't tell you a team that's ever been like this. So it's it's super cool to be a part of that. Like, honestly, like it's crazy. It's so crazy to just be able to walk around and be like, dang, look at my left, look at my right. Like these are elites, elites, all elites. So you know, it's 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 nice. We can't get we can't get warm and fuzzy about that. You know, it's it's cool, but at the end of the day, it's it, we, we got to execute. We have a lot of expectations on us right now. A lot of expectations, and we just got to stay grounded, stay with our, don't change anything too crazy. Keep you know, keep being consistent, and just I think that's the only thing that can stop us if we slack on those. But hey, the, there's no limits for us. There's no limits. 
All right, quick fun question, guys. You know, here on On The Line, we like to ask our guests about their music tastes. And so I have to know, of you three, which of you is going to get the ox? Come to a consensus. What's what's the choice here? Who has the best music taste? <laughs> Definitely not me. Um, not you. <laughs> I, like, I like Ray Charles, Etta James. I like really old music. Um, wow, okay. Bill Withers. So it have it have to probably be Esau or Zaire. All right, what are y'all's yeah, music tastes? Yeah. Zach, what do you mean to taste? I like R&B, so I like The Weeknd, SZA, um, Gibeon, Beyonce, Steve Lacey. Like, I like, I listen to all slow type, type music, so I don't think I'll get that. Um, I, I think we all listen to different stuff for real. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, like, I would say, Esau gets the ox then? Is that the final verdict here? She ran in the women's invitational field, and Sophia clocked a 239 
83. I remember just watching the the race replay of Juliet Whitaker's last year at, I, I believe it was Ocean Breeze, and she just did that in a solo effort. Here, Sophia had a lot of athletes push her, and she became the second girl to dip under 240. So Juliet and Sophia are the only two girls in high school history to have run 239 in this event. Also, we have to talk about Shanti Jackson of South Bramville out in North Carolina. She has just been so consistent when it comes to this 300 meters. Just a few weeks ago, she ran a 36.63 to break the national high school record. This weekend, she clocked a 36.73. So just kind of looking at the all-time performances, she owns three of the top four 300-meter performances in high school history. So great performances from the high school athletes there at Dr. Sander. Those two were really good performances. Uh, I will concur mm-hmm. with that. Uh, Ashley, let's go to you. Yes, let's go to my favorite place, JDL in North Carolina, where they had the Mondo Elite <laughs> Invitational over the weekend. And guys, I know we mentioned them, I feel like, every other week, but the Cutherson Distance Girls did it yet again this weekend at Mondo Elite. They went one, two, and three in the thousand led by Alyssa Prisano's 253, Stella Kerms finishing second in 253.99, and Justine Prisano in 255.56. Then they go 2, 4, 5, and 9 in the full mile, including a 449 from Charlotte Bell for second place there, um, followed by Stella Kerms and Justin Prisano, who are both under 456. I mean, they just continue to dominate in the distance events, not just in North Carolina, but, I mean, that puts them on the national rankings as well, and to have that know kind of group of four there leading the way that's kind of on you know almost unprecedented to see um you know looking at the other performances there you had Allie Zeeland she ran U.S. number three in the mile 446 there to win and then we saw Kayla Garrett back in action she won the 55 in the 60 meter hurdles and she got a new 55 meter PR of 7.16 and she also finished third in the 200 then looking at the boys competition at Mondo Elite you had Knox Young of Greenville, South Carolina. He won the boys' mile in 417, and he was just named the Gatorade Player of the Year uh, for cross country in South Carolina. Then you had Jacob Laney, still kind of on his comeback trail there in North Carolina. He ran 909 to win the boys' two mile by 14 seconds. That's a pretty big margin there for the win. And then you had Tyson Adams of West Forsyth, 24 2 and three quarters to win the long jump. That's just short of his current US number one mark. In the event, and then you had Kenneth Bird of East Burke in North Carolina. He jumped 16-6, guys. It's a big PR for him to win the pole vault over a top-ranked vaulter in Matthew Gray of Swain County. So that kind of wraps up action in, in North Carolina. But let's go to Virginia now and talk about the Bulldog Invitational briefly. We had 187 elite performances um, you know, from this meet, according to our database, but I feel like when you look at the results, the the event on both the boys and girls sides that really stood out to me was definitely the thousand. When you look at the boys side, you had Nicholas Hayden of Millbrook in Virginia. He goes U.S. number two two twenty six to win the thousand there. But then if you look at the guys behind him, they also put up some you know ranked times as well. You had Connor Rutherford of Blacksburg, U.S. number five two twenty eight, finishing the runner up in that event there. And then Jack Bundy of Abingdon. In Virginia, U.S. number 6, 228.73 for third. So solid stuff on the boy side. Then looking at the girl side, you had Cassidy Scott. She goes U.S. number 7, 254 for the win, followed by Lila Walters, U.S. number 10, 255. And then, you know, you still had two other girls under three minutes as well in this event. You had Allie 
Kritzer and Ava Bord- Bordner, excuse me. And then Scott would actually go on to win the mile. She would double back from her 1,000 win, um, clocking 4.56 ahead of a great New Jersey athlete, Emma Zawatsky. So Mondo Elite, Bulldog Invitational. That was some exciting stuff in North Carolina and Virginia over the weekend. And a big reminder for athletes as we turn into February is that we are coming into state championship season indoors. I mean, Virginia probably nearing that as well. You know, I, let's let's move to the last chance invitation in Alabama because it was the last week before the state championships that are coming up this week in Birmingham. And we saw a lot of athletes just really refining the races and tuning up for that ultimate goal, which is a state championship. And, you know, we, we look at some some of the performances from this past weekend. We had a and just an exceptional one from Alex Leith. I think this came out of nowhere for for all of us. Not that Alex Leith wasn't capable, but like to to run 149.6 in the 800 indoors was such, I think, a an aside to what he had shown. It, it really just, I think, it blew our minds a little bit because he had not gone mm-hmm. under 151 outdoors at all. And he goes goes ahead and breaks 150. It's really hard to run under 150 indoors, but he ran an, an amazing race and deserves it. And now Alex might be the guy to beat at the national level, I would say, after the, after that race. Um, quickly, Ashley, do, you, do what are your thoughts on that 800? Yeah, I mean, even if you look at the race, I mean, that was a solo effort. That is, hard. like you said, it's hard to do that in the 800 indoors. But then the fact that, like, he was literally all by himself out there, just kind of him against the clock, that, I feel like that makes it even more impressive because that's kind of hard to do. And I think you're right. I mean, like, I feel like, you know, especially, you know, last year and then going into this year, the 800 has been a pretty, like, there's been some depth there, you know, like a lot of guys in that, like, you know, 150 to 152 range. But I feel like it's, I feel like I can pretty, it's safe to say, like, at least for now, and maybe, you know, going into nationals as well, Alex is definitely the guy to beat. You know, that's definitely, I can say that right here. Olivia, anything else to add? Yes, I just actually pulled up our all-time rankings. Based off our database, there have been seven boys that have dipped under 150 for the 800. So the fact that now Alex is up there, that's number six all-time. It just shows how difficult it is to go under 150 indoors, and Alex became one of those boys to do it. So kudos to him. Yeah, state record in Alabama, too. And Aaron Salmon, we should put a note up here, not going to run the 800 indoors from what I've been told. So I don't think Mm -hmm. he is going to be an indoor challenger for a national title, even though he does want to go for the high school national record at some point over the outdoor season. But Aaron Solon probably won't be in that mix for indoor. Um, the next guy up, Maxwell Harden from Auburn uh, uh, High School. He's also an Auburn signee. Uh, we actually saw Maxwell at the beginning of the month. We filmed a workout with him, and, hey, he goes out, and he, he runs a U.S. number one, 858. Congrats. <laughs> awesome performance. Uh, Hoover High School, the reigning Alabama state team champions on the boys' and girls' sides, they went and ran 127.86 in the 4 by 2 which is U.S. number two. Great performance there. Maddox Ham. Uh, 18-1 last year at Adidas Track Nationals, the, I think, second highest clearance ever in the pole vault indoors. Once 17-2, he's building up to those heights. Looks very good. Daisy Luna from Hoover as well, 400 meters, ran 56-4-3 in Alabama, moves on to the state championship. And then Katie McPhail, we can't go out, we can't go without saying something about the Chelsea Stars. She won three uh, events, 800, 1600, 3200 meters. She went under five minutes for the second time on the season. 
at about 456, I believe. But Katie McPhail going to the state championships has a real opportunity to win three titles and can close off for inner season, which has been very, very good. Um, one last thing before we move to the next segment, it's the Ohio, the Spire Ohio preview meet. Troy Lane, I, I think, is a guy we talked going into the season as as a 60-meter favorite. Um, you know, he ran 675 to begin his season. That's a very good mark to start. Um, immediately puts him in the conversation as one of the best at the 60-meter dash. So I think that was a good start for him. Um, Katie Clute also ran the 1600 meters. She ran 448, I believe, and ran really well uh, for that distance. So a lot of Ohio athletes got their starts this past weekend there at Spire. And then one last one, Devin Kipiego, our guy from Rhode Island, 600 and 1000 this weekend. He's building up toward his Rhode Island state championship. So a lot to watch out for as states incomes on a lot of, on a lot of areas and regions. All right, we're moving to our next segment, which is Let's go into the Montbord Boys 60-meter historic run. Four guys under 6'9". Ashley said it earlier in their interview, unprecedented. Uh, and we have to go into this and kind of break it down just a bit. Um, Olivia, let's start with you. Just how good was this moment for Montbord Boys? Yeah, well, let's take a look at it, too. I think we do have the race video where we can just get a glimpse of the powerhouse of Mountain Verde Academy when it came to the 60 meters. I was completely blown away by Isam Asinga here because 6.59 to win that race, and that's the number two all-time performance. And we, I know we just had a chance to talk with them, and they're, they're saying they're able to goof around and practice, have a good time. But when it comes down to it, when they're lining up, it's all work from there. And it's crazy because this was his third 60-meter race of the season. He started out with a 6.73. That was his debut. Now we're down to a 6.59. Michael Larry, I am, I'm just so impressed with this guy. He starts the season out with a 6.91. He told us during his interview, you know, competing at the VA Showcase, he tripped coming out of the blocks. And he's like, I, I'm, I'm so much better than that. I, I can showcase more of my talents later and he runs a personal best of 669 per second this past weekend. Shaved nearly two tenths of a second off from what he did last year. Zaire Nurden, who we see him as that strong quarter miler, did the double, opens up his season with the 47.58, also was in that, that final too, 6.80 for a new personal best, which he ran in the prelim, and then 6.84 in the finals. And I must say, just kind of talking about that 400 meters for him, that was his fastest opener by two seconds. So this guy is super strong right now. And then Javion Green was also in this race, the only junior in that field from Mountain Bird Academy to complete that squad that went one, two, three, four. This was his first indoor uh, season since 2020. And he ran a personal best of 688. I'm just so mind blown of the talent that they have at Mount Verde Academy. And they were able to showcase that this weekend. I'm just, you know, I'm almost as excited as they are to see what they can put in a four by one. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be moving for sure. And that Javen time was when he was in eighth grade, by the way. So yeah. hasn't run really since eighth grade indoors, which is, Curious how how good this guy is going to be as he's competing with all of his teammates, which are at the very top of the, of America's um, you know depth chart, basically. So, uh, Ashley, let's go to you. Uh, what were your thoughts kind of lying here? Yeah, kind of going back to the idea of you know unprecedented. Like if you look at the sixty meter final alone from the weekend, like literally half the field was Mount Verde. I mean, they absolutely dominated there. And then, you know, beyond even the 60 as well, 
you know, looking at the 400, the first and fastest heat was only Montverde. You only had Montverde guys in that heat. And, you know, when's the last time, you know, we've seen something like this, this kind of domination from a powerhouse team? You know, I nothing. it's hard to think of anything to compare, like any other program in history to compare this to, you know. You know, sure, programs like, you know, IMG, Bullis, you know, all those, you know, typical, you know, really talented programs do come to mind. But it's only January, and just Montverde is absolutely, again, just dominating. You know, looking at... You know, I kind of took a look at, like, what are the rankings? Where did the Montverde guys rank in all the different sprint events in the nation? And if you look on the boys' side, I mean, you got two in the top four nationally in the 55 and 60, two in the top 17 for the 200, two in the top 13 in the 300, three in the top 16 in the 400, and two in the top 20 in the 500. I mean, what other program around, you know, is having that right now or has had that in the past? And even like, you know, I think Zaire mentioned this as well. Like they have a, such a strong girls team as well that we haven't even talked about, you know, Micaiah Holland, mm-hmm. Adasia Hodge, Michelle Smith. I mean, just as a unit, they, I mean, they're almost unstoppable. Not almost. I mean, basically they, they are unstoppable. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just kind of like what Olivia said, just, wow. Again, only January. Yeah, I can dive into the numbers a little bit here. I looked at essentially team averages for the 60 meter dash and right now, Montford, based off that performance alone, average 60-meter time for those four guys is 6.74 seconds. Right now, 6.74 seconds would be U.S. number six in the U.S. right now. It is safe to say no high school team in history has ever had that amount of depth. Um, Mm -mm. You know, the second best team right now in the U.S. is Archbishop Carroll, and they have two, three, four guys under seven seconds, which is also really, really good. You know, Nicholas Harbor mm-hmm. uh, essentially, you know, is, is the centerpiece there with the 664. Um, but I had to go back into the numbers over the last 10 years to find really, you know, what team was closest to what's happening right near Montford. And in 2018, DeMatha Catholic, which is based in Maryland, did have two blue chip guys uh, by the name of Brendan Stewart and Nick Cross running the 60 both of those guys were under six seven and then their next two guys put them average wise at 685 but dematha wasn't really built for a track program necessarily montford is montford has built this team around its track you know uh system and you know typically when we when we look at teams that have great stars they might feature another sports like football or, or basketball and then they come into track and they have success but here the focus and priority is track and i think that is unprecedented that is historic we're seeing something special here um it's clear that like the 60 is you know that's never been done and micah talked about the four by one coming up over the outdoor season going 39 7 or faster olivia do you do you think that can happen this year i i kind of tend to think it will. I, I I think the likelihood is probably high. What are your thoughts? It's very likely. I, I'm right there with you, Corey. I, when you have so much dominance coming from one program, we havenven't seen that in a while. Like we like Ashley mentioned, we see it from Bullis. We see it Archbishop Carroll. We see it right. But the fact that we have as a unit four individuals doing the race individually and exceeding and excelling and taking down the competition, as they say, showing dominance, right? We're seeing that. And when you put all four of them together, it's going to be wicked scary. I'm really excited. I know they hinted at Texas Relay. So I'm super pumped to see 
just what happens when it comes to this team putting together any relay. Honestly, I'm really excited for this four by one. Corey, I know you're like four by four. I'm right there with you with that four by four. But that four by one, though. 39-7, like we could potentially see something crazy for Mount Vernon this year. Yeah, there there is a footnote that, I, you know, a little of the, some of this is manufactured because Montford does take in these athletes. There is tuition at the school. It's not necessarily, you know, uh, based on open enrollment, like you live in the area and you go to Montford. It's, it's not like that. It's a prep school. So that's kind of where some of this is coming from. But all that being said, no other prep school in, in America has ever done this either. So they're they're still doing something that's new, historic, and and definitely setting the tone moving forward. All right, let's go to our next topic, which is also a really cool one. Um, Anna Kiefer, a Minnesota mm-hmm. native, uh, multiple time state champion, UNC All American, graduate of North Carolina, has signed a WWE next contract to potentially become you know, go in that, that developmental pipeline of the WWE, but maybe someday become a star in the ring. We have to get into this because this is fun. We've never seen this before. Um, Ashley, I'll go to you first. What are some of your thoughts here with Anna Kiefer and the WWE? Yeah, you know, I looking into this, you know, I was like, wow, this is such a like unique opportunity to have, you know? And I think it's something that Kiefer's probably actually like, yes, it'll be tough, but I think it's something that, you know, her background in jumps and as well as being a collegiate athlete and understanding the demands of, you know, training and development. I think this is something that could really suit her. And, you know, I'm really curious to see, you know, how she does with this. And, you know, hey, huge, huge kudos to you because I definitely could not, you know, be in the WWE or anything like that. So um, on a related note, though, I do want to say, like, I was kind of digging into this kind of connection between WWE and, you know, track and field in recent years. And while this isn't like the same sort of, you know, WWE, you know, contract sort of thing that Anna Kiefer has, WWE has decided to get, you know, try to build this connection more with, you know, collegiate athletes, even especially on the track and field side, especially with the new, like, you know, name, image, and likeness, you know, rules put in place in the NCAA. So they recently, you know, they kind of started um, this, I guess, this kind of promotion, you know, NIL deal called Next in Line, where, you know, just last week, I believe they announced they signed 15 college athletes recently um, in this sort of paid deal to, quote, recruit and develop potential future superstars and enhance, you know, the WWE talent development and recruiting process, which I thought was really interesting. And, you know, they could, and then it said kind of in there as well, like at the end of this NIL deal, some of them may get WWE contracts, you know, as well. Um, And looking at the 15 athletes selected for this year for this program, it includes four track and field athletes you have. Leah Armstrong of LSU, Otoniel Bajana of Pittsburgh, Tori Ortiz of Oklahoma State, and Turner Washington of Arizona State. So there is a connection there between WWE and track and field. It's kind of cool to see. Yeah, I, I think with the NLI, NIL, I just want to comment on that a little bit too. I, I think it, it really, they're they're leveraging their brand with NIL, NIL in a really smart way because mm-hmm. it builds both their business and and brings new, possibly new consumers to their brand through social media, but it also elevates college athletes who are now getting paid uh, for some of the work they're doing. And I just think that's like a really smart um, partnership that they developed uh, early on three years ago. Messiah Russell of Bullet School was one of the first mm-hmm. people on the track space to be signed from the WWE. So I, 
I do like what they're doing there in, in the NIL. Olivia, let's go to you. What are your, what are your thoughts here on, on Kiefer WWE and maybe NIL? Yeah, I think it's quite interesting, just kind of the mixture of like all of it together. And I feel like we're starting to see a lot of the women in the track and field space go into the WWE. One athlete in particular I actually know is Bianca Belair. Uh, she's just had a successful career in this field. She went to the University of Tennessee and here we can see her hurtling. So you know, I'm all for the track athletes kind of just venturing into this WWE uh, space here. And I'm pretty sure we kind of just all talked about it, how the NIL is just really getting into this with the WWE. I think, that, like you said, Corey, I think this is smart. And I feel like as we're starting to see this develop, we're going to see a lot more collegiate athletes potentially sign with the next in line and also be able to develop um, the next generation of wrestlers. I think it's going to be interesting and I'm all for it to be quite honest. I think it's quite interesting to say the least. So to clarify, Kiefer signed with NXT, which is different than next in line. NXT mm -hmm. is actually, you know, a pipeline to wrestling and, right. and Kiefer yeah. will have an opportunity to, you know, train and build her skills as a wrestler and possibly get in the ring one day and do that. I mean, I think part of her allure is like her background in content creation. I mean, she studied that at UNC, I believe she's produced some stuff I've seen like videos and she's got a good social presence. Plus she's super athletic and just an athlete. Right. So I, she's got some, some real talent and ability there that can, you know, one, one day maybe step into the ring there. Um, this is different. Like, how often do you see track athletes getting opportunities to transition to a sport like this entertainment wise? Not often. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think right. it's, it's really, really cool for Kiefer to sort of just platform that. I mean, to come out of college, you know, this isn't your like, you know, five-year plan. I want to be a WWE wrestler. But when you get something like this that comes to you, I think you got to go with it and you got to see where life takes you. I mean, if it, was your dream or it wasn't your dream. You got to take an opportunity that comes to you and see if there's something there. And I think um, that's kind of what she's doing. Uh, I will, I will bring this back to movies a little bit. Cause I always do. And I, of course there's, there's a movie called fighting with my family. Uh, really, you know, fun uh, movie that, I, I, you know, based around wrestling, the part of it that actually I think speaks to this is when the, the main protagonist, gets into the developmental phase and starts learning how to wrestle and, through the training process. And I think a lot of that maybe might, might speak to what Kiefer will go through um, because it's going to be a hard journey even to get to the ring. It's not going to be easy. You got to lean on a lot of stuff to get there and you got to be patient. You got to work hard. You got to execute. It's a lot like being a track star. So um, she'll have that if she just works hard and maybe someday we'll see her in the ring. So uh, all the best to her. All right, uh, let's move to another debate topic. <laughs> the top overall sprinters of 2023. Um, as a question, we're debating uh, which athletes over this given year, indoors and outdoors, will be the top athletes in each of these disciplines. And we're going to go with the boys sprinters of 2023. I think we're all going with different people here. Olivia, let's start with you. All right. We just spoke with this team and I, I really think Assam Asinga of Mountain Verde Academy is the top overall boys sprinter. This guy is absolutely insane. 
just looking at what he did last year to this year is pretty much night and day in my eyes. 2022, he went 686, 2230. He was the outdoor Missouri state champion in the 100 meters and the 200 meters. He set personal bests of 1044 and 20.76 to take the double at the Great Southwest. That was U.S. number 34 and U.S. number six. Fast forward to this season, 659, 2135, and 4814. I feel like he deserves to be the top overall sprinter of the season because he's already accomplished so much in just a couple of weeks. That 659 is a number two all-time performance in high school history. He's also U.S. number six in the 200, U.S. number seven in the 400. Like, this guy has some range all the way from the short sprints all the way to the, the quarter there. If he continues to remain healthy, have fun in the sport, I definitely can say we're going to see something absolutely wild from him during the outdoor season before he heads to AM in the fall. So Assam Asinga, I feel like it's just the best sprinter. I, I feel like there's just no, well, we do have arguments. We all have our own picks, but like, I'm really, I feel very strong about Assam Asinga being the best overall sprinter this year. That's a very good pick. Ashley, let's go to you. All right. I'm going to go to a guy who, you know, if you look at miles, Split tomorrow, you're going to see him all over miles split. <laughs> I have to go with <laughs> Nicholas. Harbor, the dual athlete, the football star, the track star of Archbishop Carroll, you know, just a few weeks after ending his football season, you know, he's already been on an all-time tear, you know, just this indoor season alone. You know, he began with the U.S. number one, 33-9, 300 to win the Virginia Showcase from a slower section. Then he went U.S. number five all-time in the 200 at Texas Tech, 20.76, and then he's gone 664 in the 60 also at texas tech and i feel like this is really telling you know especially considering that you know he spent his whole entire fall season focusing on another sport that he's also a star at and so you know right out of the gate he was already you know a national leader in the 300 and he's been you know putting up all-time marks which i think is pretty crazy and you know he's obviously you know he's committing tomorrow on miles uh, on mile split on wednesday you know where he's gonna go for school and Honestly, I feel like that could, you know, almost be a weight off his shoulders, you know, and I feel like that could also play a factor, you know, he can commit, get that out of the way, and then, all right, it's all track, and he can just focus on, you know, getting out there, training, and running, and so I really do think that we're only seeing, you know, Harbor's only scratched the surface so far yet as to what's to come, and, you know, if you're looking at what he did outdoors last year in 2022, he went 10-22 in the 100 and 20-63 in the 200, and, you know, again, Harbor... He's this larger-than-life figure, um, you know, football and track. But, you know, just based on what he's already done alone, probably on, you know, not as much track training and just his history as well, he is definitely by far the best boys sprinter in 2023. I think Esam speaks to the life cycle of a high school athlete because this time last year wasn't even on our radar, and now he's there. Um, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going with a person that also will be on our radars tomorrow. That's Roderick Pleasant of Gardner, Sarah, also a four-star football recruit. If we look at the outdoor rankings, the end last year, Roderick is the top returning sprinter in both the 100 and the 200. 10-14 in the 100 when legal, 20.40 when legal in the 200. I mean, just on real times, right? And they were run at, at big meets, the 10-14 was a, a new California state record. You can't look past big performances and big moments. For a guy like Roderick, who also was coming over from football, really has to re-engineer his, his whole 
schedule into focusing on track and then he goes back into football maybe you miss a little bit in the interim and, and how and like does is he his most ideal self in track because he's got football in the back pocket I don't know but to me that tells me that he's got more to give and I think talent wise Roderick is going to be among the guys who could run under 10 one uh, we heard Micah Larry say he wants to go nine nine this year I think Roderick could be there 9-9. I know Nicholas probably wants to go 9-9. I think Isam wants to go 9-9. All of them want to go 9-9. But for, for my money, it's it's Roderick because he proved it last year. He proved he was a top junior sprinter last year. Number five junior time in the 200 last year. Number three junior time in the 100. I mean, he's just got the numbers to back it up. And I'm confident this guy's going to have a great season. And I just want him in a race with Harbor in 2023 that's what i want to see i want to see pleasant and harbor in a race and then we get the mumford guys too let's let's just put everybody <laughs> in. uh but uh one, one, one good thing i think to end the year too is there's the pan american u20 championships all these guys can kind of aim for at an international level that would also speak to maybe your 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 ability at those sprint distances all right let's move over to the other side of the corn the top girl sprinters of 2023, who are they in your minds and why? Olivia, we'll, we'll start with you again. All right. For me, I'm going to kick it off from an athlete that's from Virginia. I'm going to talk about Madison White. And this girl has just been shining so brightly already this season. She entered the year as one of the top returners from the spring. She was the Virginia state champion in the 100 and the 200 before becoming the New Balance national outdoor champion with a 23.30, which was a new personal best in a U.S. number nine time. She also ran a season best of 54.71 on a very cold and windy day. I was there at the East Coast International Showcase in Maryland, and the fact that she did that there was incredible. Incredible. She continued that momentum this indoor season. She's ran 693 in the 55. That's U.S. number seven. 746 in the 60, which is number 10. 2322, which is number one in the country and also number three all time. She ran a 3709 in the 300, which is number two in the nation right now, number four all time. And then also the 500, 113.75, which is number seven in the nation right now. For me, Madison White, just she does it all. She has the range. She has the performances together. She's going to USC in the fall. Uh, Madison White is definitely one of those athletes to look out for, and she's the reason why I have her as my top overall girl sprinter this year. All right. Ashley? Good pick. I love Madison. I love Madison, Olivia. But I feel like I have to go with Shanti Jackson on this one because, you know, how can you – deny that she's the best sprinter in the country in 2023, you know, because I feel like every time she steps onto the track, she just exceeds the expectations that, you know, are put out there for her on the track. And she's done that throughout her entire high school career. She already has multiple national records to her name. She just passed the greatest of all time, maybe Sydney McLaughlin in the 300 on the all-time list there. And, you know, it's obvious she's on another level and it's really been like that since the beginning. If you look at, you know, her entire high school career and she can do it from everything from the 55 all the way up to the 500, as we saw at the Virginia showcase. And so she's got depth. She can do every single sprint out there, you know, looking, you know, what she did last year during outdoors. She um, ran 11.07 when dated. She was the USATF U20 champion in that event, 23.19 in the 200, 52.32 in the 400. Again, that depth at the one, the two, and the four. 
And I feel like I can't bet against, you know, someone with that history behind them. You know, I feel like, um, you know, kind of like what I mentioned with Harbor, like, I feel like Jackson probably still has more to show us too. You know, she's only scratching the surface. And again, Shanti Jackson, top girl sprinter in 2023 for sure. I, I was torn on this uh, a lot because <laughs> um, both of your picks uh, make a lot of sense. I mean, I, I think we're going to see great things out of both of those girls. Um, I am going to go another route, uh, but I think it is really close between all three. And so I'm going to say Mia Bray Pedersen uh, from Lake Oswego. She is a junior, high school junior, which we have to be mindful of too, which is crazy to think as a sophomore, she won 11 5 in the 100 when legal and 22 9 8 when legal as a sophomore. Um, I look, you look at her and she has the profile of someone who can be dominant and she's proven that she's been dominant. And it's, it's not like these, these times that are um, anomalies. She hits them and then she hits them again and again and again. And that's what you want to see from your top, your top sprinters. She's got the precision and, and, and the, the procedure out of the blocks and like, you know, going through her phases. I just watched her Oregon state hundred meter championship and just out of the blocks and the, the, the ground contact, like immediately after, like she showed a lot of great ability and, and precision there. Um, I think she's got the profile. She's got the stats. Um, she can go toe to toe with Shanti, even though, Shanti was faster than her last year in the 100, um, 11.07 wind dated, and then Shanti ran 11.17, I think, or 11.15 uh, for the 100, somewhere around there. She was faster than Mia, but I think Mia has a lot to prove this season for many reasons, but I think she's very motivated uh, more than any other season yet. And um, so I'm going to go with Mia here. I think we're going to see something just outstanding from her. If she ran 22.5, I would not be surprised. That's all I'm going to say. So uh, Mia Bray Peterson, Mia's top girl sprinter of 2023. All right, last segments of the show. We're going to go to the Ocean Breeze Invitational. Uh, ladies, we got entries coming. What, what do you got here? Let's start with you, Olivia. What entries do you want to get into? Well, let's go into the boys' entries. I was kind of going through all the performances here, and we're going to have a really great meet. Just looking at the boys' side, we have Michael Woolery, and he's from Pennsylvania. I know we're going to be talking about him later into the show, but he's entered into the 800 in the mile. He opened up with a new personal best this season with a 154 a couple weeks ago to be number one in the state, and he also ran a 418 in the mile at the beginning of January. He's also going to face Joseph Perrazzo of Susan E. Wagner, and he's also a Florida commit. Joseph is in the mile and then two mile this weekend. He's going to do that really hard double. He clocked a 414 at the Armory Hispanic Games, then a 918 at the U.S. Armory, uh, excuse me, U.S. Army Officials Hall of Fame just a few weeks ago. Looking into the jumps, we have Rowan Calder of McQuay Jesuit. He's from New York. He'll be in the long jump in the 200. He has a season best this year of 21.8 and a half, which was his season opener. And he's been in four long jump competitions this year. And all of them have been over 20 feet. So he's just been super consistent. Just looking into the throws, we're going to have Alfonso 
Coco of Esopiscal Academy in Pennsylvania. Already this season, he has five throws that are over 50 feet in the shot put. Most recently, he threw 54 feet, one and a half inches to set a new personal best uh, just a couple weeks ago, which is number two in the state. And then also looking into the shot put as well, we have Odin Ferenci of Easton area out in Pennsylvania. He threw 50 feet two and three quarters of an inch to open up a season in December in the shot put. So there's a lot of great talent from these northerner states that will be competing at the Ocean Breeze on the boys' side. Absolutely. Ashley, it's good to be you with the girls. Yeah, looking at the girls, I was kind of going through and pulling, you know, an athlete or two from each event group, you know, similar to Olivia at the boys. And, you know, getting first at the sprints, you have Ella Cooper of McDonough School in Maryland. She's going to be in the 55 and the 200, and she's currently ranked in the top 50 nationally in both those events this season. So watch out for her there. Then you have Ayota Bay of Chetelhan, Pennsylvania, and she's the top entry in the 400. She's already gone 57-2 this season. And she's one of the top five sprinters in Pennsylvania already in 2023 from everything from the 55 up to the 400. So a lot of depth there. Then you have Lindsay Hausman of Kent Place School in New Jersey. She'll be the top seed in the two mile at 1040. She's a Duke signee. And, you know, she just logged a big PR of 1033 in the 32, you know, just last weekend. And she's gone 456 in the mile. So look for her there. Then you have Maria Chiralo of St. Anthony's in New York. She is currently the third best in the state of New York in the shot put, and she's the sixth best in the state in the weight throw. So she'll be competing this weekend. And Alana Wolfolk of Clayton in New Jersey. She's currently the second best high jumper in the state of New Jersey, and she's tied for the top seed going into um, the high jump this weekend at Ocean Breeze. So a lot of good talents out there. Before we end the show, let's get into our top races of Ocean Breeze. Let's start first with the, on the girls' side. The two-mile looks to be uh, frenetic and, and talented, and a lot of interesting things could happen with the amount of talent on the line. We have nine girls under 1130 entering the field here. Uh, Ashley, let's start with you on maybe your thoughts entering this race. Yeah, I feel like it's not you, you know usual that sometimes the two-mile is like such a loaded race, you know? So I'm excited to see this up this week in Ocean Breeze. And, you know, kind of looking at those top entries, you have, like I mentioned earlier, Lindsay Hausman of Kent Place School. She's that top entry again at 1040. And like I mentioned, she's gone 1033 recently, um, you know, at the Union County Championships on Sunday. But she's, you know, it's not, she's not going to be alone in this race. You're going to have Kate D'Souza, who's won of the top distance girls in New Jersey. She has a seat of 1043. You're going to have Ellie Kiefer of Westchester Ruston in Pennsylvania. She went 1059 at the Virginia Showcase earlier this month, so she's already gone sub-11 this season. Then you have Ruby Schwelm of Pencrest in Pennsylvania, and she could also be another sub-11 you know, 11 girl here in this race. She went 1051 last out, or indoor season, excuse me, in the 3200, so... Um, and she's racing her first race of the indoor season this weekend. So that'll be exciting to see. And, you know, this could be a very competitive New Jersey versus Pennsylvania matchup here. And I guess, you know, especially when you have, you know, seems like a good core group of, you know, four or five athletes that are all right there together. That could, you know, lead to, to some really fast times. But Olivia, we also have future ACC recruits going head to head here. Are we, are, do we not? Is this going to have some kind of like rivalry happen? What's happening here? We have a lot of things happening here in this two mile. As Ashley said, New Jersey versus Pennsylvania. There's a lot of seniors that are in this group here. You have a 
you know, Kate is a Virginia commit. Lindsay is a Duke commit. Ellie is a Monmouth University commit. And Caroline is a Penn State commit. So there's just a lot going on here. But I'm also really excited. As Ashley mentioned, they're going to be, you know, these are the top four seated girls going into this race. They're all under 11 minutes in this two mile. They all come in with different strengths, which I think is going to be interesting. Just kind of diving deeper with Kate. She already ran a 215. What was mind blowing to me is she already ran a 215 in the 800. So she already has that middle distance speed and she ran five minutes in the mile already this indoor season. So she's going to be extending that a little bit more with this two mile. Then Lindsay with a 1033 in the 32 and then Ellie, we saw her at the VA showcase where she ran a 10.59 to finish 14th overall in the two mile. And then Caroline ran a 5.02 in the mile and then 10.05 in the 3K. So a lot of these girls are going to be battling it out in this this event here. It's going to be quite exciting, Corey. I do think uh, D'Souza uh, and Hosman are, are the girls that will be running up front, though, based on their times. I mean... Uh, DeSosa ran 10 25 uh, back in uh, the outdoor season. Um, and in, in over the outdoor season, I'm sorry, Hausman ran with DeSosa in, in the same race. Uh, and and DeSosa beat her basically uh, in that race in 10 25. So, you know, while DeSosa doesn't have the indoor time yet, historically, she's beaten her in another race outdoors so you kind of have to have that in your back pocket a little bit that's where i think there's going to be a little bit of a one-on-one going on um tarpley i I think is 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 capable but when we look at potentially could we go for a meet record here 1034 uh by Catherine lee back in 2017 that is the meet record at ocean breeze uh the the meet the high school only record here in a high school meet is 1017. Zario Machia ran that back in 2022 at Nike Indoor Nationals. And then the facility record, Marley Starlipper ran 958 back in 2019 at USA Indoor Championships. So I think we could reasonably see somewhere in the 1030s, uh, and we could get close to that meet record uh, if all goes well. And I think we have ladies that could really shine in that moment. Let's go to the guys 800 meter race. Uh, you already kind of commented on it, Olivia, a little bit with uh, the, the boys in the mix here. Let's go a little further. What are your thoughts here on the boys 800? Yes, I know I mentioned Michael Wooler, Woolery already just kind of kicking off as one of the boys to watch. He's having a double, but he enters this meet with a 154, which he opened up with just a couple weeks ago. So at least he knows where that starting point is. I'm excited to see what Andrew Gannon of Lower Marion out in Pennsylvania is going to do. He's going to debut the 800 this indoor season. Just to kind of put it into perspective, he ran a 157 in the spring, and he's already ran a 427 in the mile this indoor season. So I'm looking to see how he's just going to take on this race here. And then we also have Akshay Badul from Edison from New Jersey. He hasn't run an 800 meter since last indoor season, and there he ran a 203. He ran a 418 for the 1600 meters and a 925 for the 32 already to just set personal best. So he's off to a really great start. So I think this 800 is going to be really interesting. I feel like Michael is going to be one of the athletes that will probably take this out, but I definitely could see Andrew and Akshay really adding some pressure because they're all trying to run a really fast time here at this meet and also go for the title. So I can definitely see a really big race coming from here. Ashley, do you have a favorite? (laughs) Favorite? I don't know. It's It's hard to tell because, you know, like looking at this, 
field, you have six guys, you know, all between like 154 and 156. I mean, they're all going to be right there sandwiched together. You know, I do, like Olivia said, I do think Michael will probably be the one to kind of lead it out. But, you know, I wouldn't, I'm really curious to see what Akshay does here, you know, because, you know, like Olivia mentioned, he hasn't ran an indoor 800 in quite some time, but he has gone 418 in the 1600 this year. And that translates to, you know, a lot of improvement on, you know, most likely that 203-800 that he ran last year. Um, mm-hmm. So I think in, you know, a competitive race like this, he could do really well. Um, and then I also want to mention, too, I think, you know, Michael Woolery will have a teammate in this race as well, which I think could also play a factor here. He's going to have Aiden McHuff of um, Episcopal Academy as well. He ran 159, you know, way back in December. So he's had some time to really train. Um, but he did go 156 during outdoors in 2022. So he has that speed there. And, you know, I think it's going to be a good race. Well, well Woolery uh, was Episcopal's number one during their historic cross-country campaign, too. Got to keep that in mind coming off a really good fall. Uh, and 154, I think, is above board, I think, for him, uh, above expectation at this point. 154 is really, really good to start out the season. Um, you know, and that's going to be tough for Vadul to, to, to meet. Although 413 for me tells me that he's ready to run with Woolery. Now, having the previous, you know, time of 203, he's got to sort of meet some benchmarks first, but maybe he does it all in one fell swoop here in a big race. I could easily see Ashke in like the 156 range based on his speed alone in the 1600 meters. And if he just races like, with his in, with instinct, I think he could compete with Woolery. Part part of this race for me is is guys running and learning how to race. I mean, it's not going to be perfect uh, in in a race like this. You have a lot of guys who are probably trying to make moves when they shouldn't, or just you know working on little things. But at the end of the day, if you're competing, if you're grinding, if you're digging in, and then you're just going for it, I think that's what's going to sort of help lead you to you know your end goal toward the end of the season and that's to be to be better and to run faster so i I do think the 800 is going to be a really interesting and and fun race and we could see uh any kind of winner here all right one last thing before we end the show let's do something on national letter of intent the football period like looking at the rivals 250 almost all these top guys are already signed and there's only a few of them that, that aren't. So it's not like a huge day for football per se, but Nicholas is the number one athlete in football right now on the high school level. Roderick is a four-star guy. Olivia, you're going to be at Archbishop Carroll tomorrow following him around. Just let's start off with that. What what do you think is in his head? Do you have an idea of where he might go? Like, what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Y'all, if I I wish I had the scoop on this one. I have zero idea what is in Nick's head right now, what he's thinking. He's been dropping, I don't want to say dropping hints, but I know we were talking about this earlier. And I feel if I'm Nick Harbour and I know what my goals are, right? Like he's made it very clear. He wants to make the Olympics in track and he wants to compete in football. He wants, you know, to that? be in the Super he Bowl. Said Olympics track? He said that? Yeah, well, yeah, he wants to make the Olympic team. He wants to run. So he's trying to do both. And like now I feel like as you're making these big decisions, you're trying to figure out what school can I do both sports in. And so recently he just visited Oregon. And this I think is the first photo where like he shows him in a track uniform and in a football jersey. So I know Ashley and I were talking about it and we're just like, hmm, 
this is interesting. But again, this was last weekend. So I don't know for, for Nicholas, it's Michigan, Maryland, South Carolina, and Oregon. I have no idea what is going through his mind. I just know probably one of the big priorities for him is a school that will allow him or enable him to be able to compete in both sports. Cause I know that can be a challenge um, across you know, all different directions here, but I'm just quite intrigued with this Oregon post because all the other schools, who's, I don't think pick? have been like that. Oh, you got to make, a pick. I really who's don't know. You got to make a pick. What's your pick? I don't know. My gut's feeling like Michigan or South Carolina. I okay. feel like Maryland, you know, with him being from DC, I can see Maryland happening, but I really think it's going to be Michigan or South Carolina, but that post about Oregon really threw me off. So I really don't know. <laughs> actually actually okay. and pleasant pleasant here too if you want to add in the conversation roderick but what are your thoughts here yeah okay my thoughts here i think oregon i was again like olivia said i was really intrigued here by like that was the only school where he posted photos of track like uniform and football i feel like that's kind of telling they like really played into that on his visit you know um yeah. so maybe i'll go with oregon for nick and then looking at pleasant it looks like his choices are UCLA, Oregon, USC, Cal Berkeley, and Boston College. I'll go USC here because, again, you kind of have both, like, football history and track history here. So I'll go with USC. I see that. Yeah, uh, yeah I agree with USC uh, with Pleasant. I think that's kind of a, the obvious pick. Harbor, I, I will say this. There is recency bias for for athletes that, that take your last visit. Yeah. Typically, there is, like, a little bit of a bias towards your last – sense of place on a campus and you like tend to remember that a little bit more but i just don't think that makes sense for him um i i honestly if i'm i i'm gonna say maryland i know it's wrong i know it's wrong <laughs> but nicholas harbour is different he's like the center of attention right now and he's not he's fine with doing stuff that's like against the norm if he went to Maryland and he was the best burner in Maryland history, that would be different. He is close to DC. He can still kind of communicate with his coaches. He can work out maybe a plan with college and former coach that led me to great heights. I like Maryland because of sort of the area location of it. It's a good football program, but I think he could do something different on the track for that team. I'm going with Maryland. All right. Interesting. Corey has I'm going to be wrong, but I'm going to go with Maryland. All right. But uh, <laughs> Olivia, you're going to have to tell us how this goes tomorrow. We're really excited, you know, for you to go through that and to experience it. Um, it should be fun. Should be fun. All right. I'll keep you all posted. All right. <laughs> Another show on the line. We'll be back next Tuesday to talk everything track and field. Thanks for watching. We'll see you later.